Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for another 24 episode of Day Two, which uh, I kind of realized last night watching this should actually be Day Four since we have twice crossed into new days on 24. Uh, but just for simplicity's sake, Season Two, Episode 17, 12 a.m. to 1 a.m. It's a new day. Uh, it's a new day. Michael Bublé. Uh, <laughs> It's a new day, it's a new life for me, and I'm feeling and I feel good. good. Well, not just Michael um, Bublé. I realise that song's been covered like 30,000 times. But uh, Of course, it's it's only Michael Bublé. <laughs> just the boobs. The boobs is the only one. Muse did a great cover of it, um, but we're, we're going to think about the boobs. because We have, we have um, uh, great fun talking about commercials. There's a good Michael Bublé commercial here in Canada. That, is that uh, the bubbly? The, 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 the bubbly, yeah. I love those Say ads. Bubbly, it's, bubbly. so hilarious. <laughs> Oh, oh, I miss I miss Bubbly. What a drink! Oh, can we what just re, Can we just reboot Twenty Four with Michael Bublé as the new Jack Bauer? Like, forget oh. about all these other you know wannabe Jacks. Like, Michael Bublé can do anything. Who did the original of Feeling Good? I'm gonna look that up. <laughs> Sorry, you do that this episode. <laughs> and I will tell people who wrote the original season two, episode seventeen, which was uh, Twenty Four alumni Evan Cates and Gil Grant. And this, of course, was directed by. A man who's semi-well-known from 24, but more well-known as a guest of the Oz Network, which you can listen to our 20-year uh, reunion episode with John Kassar. Uh, But uh, I can't tell you how happy I am that uh, I finished an episode that was adequate, didn't add much to the show, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed this week's show, and yet there is nothing to it. To me, it, it, it's kind of backwards storytelling. You know, this this feels like this should be the first act of a season and not the third act, not the final act, but uh, it's more along the lines of what I want from 24. It's, it's simpler. It's just straight espionage and corruption and all that. And it's clearly just setting up future episodes to come, but it, it did it adequately. And I'm happy with adequate this week. And your name is Colin and insert quote here. Oh, that's right. All right. So it's <laughs> been a while since we recorded these. We've done like a thousand episodes, but sure, let's just. Um... It's not like we've actually taken a month off from recording Oz Network stuff because we're too busy with Off the Podium. But oh, well. Off the Podium. Both for us in sports <laughs> Sport archive sports. Um, My name is Colin and Ben, don't patronize me. Don't patronize me. And my name is Ben. And here we are without a deck of cards. Oh, my backup quote. Good Uh, for you. Always good when I can give you second best. Uh, All right. So this episode was adequate, and I'm happy (laughs) with adequate this week. (laughs) 
Speaking of adequate, just quickly, Feeling Good is a song written by English composers Anthony Uli and Leslie Bircuse for the musical The Roar of Grease Paint, The Smell of the Crowd, first ah. performed on stage in 1964 by Cy Grant on the UK tour Gilbert Price and then Nina Simone recorded it for uh, the album I Put a Spell on You. It's been covered by Sammy Davis Jr., Traffic, Michael Bublé, John Coltrane, George Michael, Victory Eels, Joe Bonasmassa, Eden Muse, Black Cat Bones, Bonas... A lot of people have covered this song. Oh, well, so. forget that. This is not a Michael Bublé song. It's a Black Cat Bones song. Yeah. John Legend performed it at the inauguration of Joe Biden. So, and, and you know what? You you just named the songwriters of a James Bond theme. Was it Thunderball they wrote? Sure. Yeah, that's yeah, I'm the sure one. you could Google that by the time Absolutely. we're done this episode. <laughs> but this episode um, of 24, yeah, I agree with you. Um, it's 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 adequate, ad- adequate uh, th- that word you use. <laughs> and um, I mean, this is what we've always said about the the last kind of like third of this season is actually pretty decent, um, mm-hmm. and it it is intriguing. Like, this isn't the best episode of 24. It's not the worst episode, but it goes by pretty quickly. It's entertaining. It keeps you guessing. There's definitely some dumb stuff about this episode. Um, but it's, yeah, I feel like this, I agree with you. This should be the first part. This is kind of going back to season one and yeah. you just haven't gone full nuclear. So um, now that Jack Bowers found the bomb, uh, <laughs> like he, he's now got to find the recording. I, I'm getting musical as well because I just want to say this. Time recording this. Basically, I'm going to New York in a few days and... Keep Sutherland is performing like a week into me being in New York. And I was again looking at prices. So I'm, I'm debating going. I think I'm going to go. I think I might go and see Kiefer perform because I think it's not far from where I'm staying. So um, I, I I could like shout out to him like, you're Kiefer Sutherland going to sing the song. Um, <laughs> I mean, he, I, I've only listened to like one or two of his songs. It's not exactly my type of music, but fuck, like, he could sing fucking Jamaican bloody folk dancing and I'd go, what, Kiefer fucking Sutherland. So, yeah. Yeah, and hello to all of our fans of Jamaican folk dancing out there that are now insulted. Tradition. <laughs> I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's better than Taylor Swift, but, I mean, you know, like... Uh, oh, I don't way better than Billie Eilish. I'm, well, you know, Academy Award nominee Billie Eilish. Come on now. Um, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll get the Kim stuff out of the way here. I just want to quickly say uh, probably in the next couple of weeks I'll be dropping some uh, quotes because Kiefer actually did an interview, not on our show, uh, on the the 20 years of 24 can online convention that they had recently uh he did an interview and there was a great um an individual one with Kiefer and then in the end they actually brought in Leslie Hope and Alicia Cuthbert and did a little family reunion thing there which uh was nice, was nice but uh better yeah, than he, our he, shitty one that we did sorry folks. That was, <laughs> oh, we got know. we got the Oz Network's John Cassar on there to talk about his secondary Dude. project 24 yeah we got Janet did they get Janet no I bet you they didn't get Janet Oh, if we don't keep it's, it's not a real twenty-four reunion without exactly. Janet. It's like it's like like any man and his dog can get keep it southern Alicia Cuthbert. Like I mean, God, that's who you expect. We 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 we're the hipster podcast. We get Janet from season <laughs> one, the real star. Come on, oh, keep it southern. I mean, if they had gotten Janet on there, they probably would have like injected her with heroin or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just hung up on her three seconds in. This is uh, Janet. Oh, no, she's gone. Bye bye. <laughs> Just quickly, would you go Jennifer. see Kiefer if you came to Winnipeg? Should I be going to see Kiefer? 
Well, Kiefer was here in Winnipeg. You actually told me about it like two days before it happened because I didn't realize I was out of the loop. I've got children. I, I don't have time to, to know anything other than the latest episode of Blues Clues. But uh, <laughs> but I, I told Jamie, like, should we go see Kiefer Sutherland? I don't even know what his music's like, but it's Kiefer Sutherland. And unfortunately, we couldn't get a babysitter. But uh, if he came back, I totally would see Kiefer Sutherland. You don't have to like, you put the earplugs in if you don't listen to the music. Just just watch Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, I mean. There- just arrested for go up the stage. I could like run up. Like imagine that <laughs> Australian man was arrested in New York today for jumping. Like Keith would bash me. Like he would like full on clock me. But like what a way to get clocked. <laughs> like I'd be down. I, I, Come back. Imagine- Welcome to the Oz Network. Ben Waterworth, the one who tried to like kidnap Keith Sutherland on stage. <laughs> I'm back. Get some imagine publicity if one of the his, show. his stage props could be like a Christmas tree. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he just comes on stage and he's just like, damn it. Uh, <laughs> just starts like yelling, but yeah, I, 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 I'll, I'll report back if I see Kiefer. I 100% want Kiefer to do that. I'm Jack Bauer gonna find the bomb. Just that needs to be on his next album. If, if he sells t shirts, like I've seen on his website that you can buy a Kiefer t shirt, so I'll buy a Kiefer t shirt. And like, I don't know if they do like a meet and greet. Like, imagine, like could you imagine like coming on? Like, we never get him on the show, but I just like, oh my god, like, met him. Touched him, breathed the oxygen, like got and got a photo with him, and like come on the show, and he'd be like, "Oh, is that that one where you got Janet on?" No, no, <laughs> I'm good, thank you. Uh, she, she's more a girlfriend than a daughter. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, "What about your poor story?" Um, but yeah, anyway. Uh, so let's get Kim out of the way here. <laughs> Season two trend. Um, the guy with the pregnant wife is weeping like a baby um, because he <laughs> shot a man. Uh, and I love that he is saying to Kim, please don't let him die. Do something, do something. Because this girl is going to be the one to save a man from a gunshot wound. <laughs> He's looking like you're trusting her. I mean, she hangs out in furniture stores. You know, she idolizes foster kids. She, she kidnapped a little girl and committed grand theft auto. And she told every person under the sun about the nuclear bomb. But she's an adequate swimmer. So she's probably good at CPR. Like she's this is who body. we want to save. She's got a really good body. Um, it's just crazy. Like, why isn't he doing something? Does he walk into this furniture store, see this little girl with the swimmer's body, and say, no, 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 no. I killed this man, but you're going to save him. You're the one, girl. Uh, this is so much the writers having no clue what to do. Um, but the guy's dead, dead. Okay. Uh- <laughs> oh, Colin's just, dying. He's, so, he's dying too. Oh. Kim's fault. I, I, this is... <laughs> This is what happens when you take a month off. You forget your opening lines and you catch COVID. Um, anyway, so the guy's dead. Breaking news. <laughs> Literally. I've had COVID in the last month, by the way. So just. <laughs> Season two of 24 has made us sick and on the verge of death. It gave us COVID. <laughs> it's going to date this episode in 10 years time. People are going to listen back. Oh, you got that COVID thing, did you? Oh, okay. What's COVID, mommy? I also, uh, I also got triple vaxxed. I got my third vax today. So look at me go. You did, and you also got hired and fired from a major network. <laughs> I got fired. My contract ran out. Come on, now let's start rumors. Oh, that's what they said to Janet, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Anyways, the, the basics of this story is that um, it was an accident, he claims. Uh, Kim tells him, you should turn yourself in, and they'll consider that it's an accident. Yes, Kim. Not everybody gets off on kidnapping and Grand Dr. Theft Auto. Cop. Um, she's great, Kim, this episode. She's a woman of many talents. Don't I just I always love when Kim's trying to give life advice to people because <laughs> it comes across so condescending. 
Um, and, and then all of a sudden this guy loses it and it, it went from being, it was an accident. You said, you'll tell him it was an accident, right? Please save his life too. It's all your fault. You're holding me back. <laughs> and then as this guy is on the phone with the police, uh, with his back turned to the front door, Kim makes a break for it. Instead of making a break for it out the front door, which is 10 feet away with his back turn, she's like, let me run a hundred feet down some stairs to the back of the store where the door is padlocked. So we can have an extended sequence. Cause we need to hit our 42 minutes this week. Um, and I love that Kim is sitting there fumbling with the deadbolt lock as in clear view, there is the world's biggest chain with the world's biggest padlock. And she's still trying, why isn't this thing opening? She just looks so dumb in this episode. And this padlock, like, did did the person who installed this have no clue that, like, a human body can clearly fit through this thing? So what's well, the padlock there for? Kim gets out. Um, we're going to come back to her next week. Uh, the cops storm the store. We don't know what's going to happen to this guy. We're not going to know till next week. Uh, Kim, over and done with. She's still dumb. It's still pointless. But I still think, in a way, it's a slight improvement over what we had. Yeah, but at the same time, like, let's just put this logically and how this timeline has worked. This guy has walked into this store, accidentally shot a guy, and within the space of 15 minutes, he's all like, oh, well, I've killed someone. I'm going to kill you because it's your fault now too. (laughs) And I love it, like, when he's on the phone to his wife. It's like, honey, I killed someone. And she's just like, no. Oh, will you be okay? Yeah, I'll just go to Aunt Ethel's. All right, cool. Good day. And and they're all out of 2% milk. They only got skim. Like, like, literally, right, right now, you go to the store with Jamie, right? You've walked in. You end up. This happens to you. Well, it's the other way around. Let's be honest. It'll be Jamie who'll be killing someone, not you. Um, like, <laughs> and and Jamie's like on like, and you you'd be sitting in the car going like, why are there so many cops? Like, what's there's a gunshot? This is this is a bit unusual. I hope Jamie's okay. Uh, and then all of a sudden she like rings you like, hey, Colin, love you, baby, but like, kind of killed someone. Are you just gonna be like? <laughs> No, I have to look after the kids by myself now. I can never record with Ben anymore. Like, I think you're going to be a bit more concerned. Like, this is your beloved husband. You're just like, no. Again, he killed someone. <laughs> what? What is with Los Angeles in, in 2003 that a nuclear bomb goes off and people are murdering him and the action is, eh, oh, well. <laughs> We're only 10 years removed from the LA riots. It's not that yeah. unusual. Everyone, everyone's just chilled. And 20 years later, they're rioting because they win the Super Bowl. But all of a sudden, eh, nuke, nuke goes off. Random murder in a store. Oh, well. But yeah, Kim just, uh, like, eh, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> just, we're, there we go. This is cool. Alicia Cuthbert right. got paid this week, so good for her. <laughs> it, it really, the only other thing I have to add on this, it's the same complete I've had every, uh, every single week. Why is it that they can't come up with these storylines that will stretch out? Over, I think that part of the problem is if you have Kim getting kidnapped by some guy with a bomb shelter to me that that can stretch itself out over three four even five weeks you don't need to be over and done with it in two weeks you have kim in the middle of a liquor store robbery and a shooting and a hostage crisis that's a four or five week storyline if they're really struggling that much with kim take one of these stories and stretch it out it doesn't need to be done in an episode and a half and it's where you roll your eyes because it's literally like okay she's 
in a bunker with a freaky guy. And next week, oh, she's been robbed. Next week, like, aliens come down and fucking put her in a cabaret show. Like, it's just it's literally <laughs> yeah. like, what? what is Kim going to do? That'd be a good episode. I'm going to watch that. <laughs> Welcome, Earth Things. You are I'm the Kim woman. Now we're in a cabaret. <laughs> like, you look like you've got a great body. Do you swim? Oh, you'd be good for a cabaret show. Um, the cabaret. Anyway, um, but, like, yeah, like, who would have thought we would miss, like, Kim and Terry in a house get video called and Kim has a bit of a nap for five minutes. Like, that's fine. Like, you know, I'd, I'd rather see Kim do that than walk down the street and in comes Ozzy Osbourne and invites her into a reunion of Black Sabbath. Like, that's in three weeks' time. Uh, again, I'd watch that. <laughs> again, though, another consolation is we know that the worst is going to come because mm. we're going to come full circle back to... Gary, uh, a little bit, yeah. but, but like the other thing that I think frustrates me is this is the problem with season two where everything's rush, rush, rush. Season one had a little bit more of that patience. We had mm. two episodes of Kim and Terry taking naps. Mm. Like you, you just cut to a shot of them. You fulfilled your quota. You've gotten your money's worth. You've paid them as a series regular. You've had them on screen. Move on. This hostage crisis could have lasted a lot longer. It is, I would say the best storyline she's involved in in this season, sadly. I, I say, in all honesty, drag the cougar out for another three episodes. Like, just <laughs> have this cougar, like, again, Looney Tunes style, like, dun, 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 like, Kim, like, Kim dropping an anvil off of a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> and the cougar, like, holding up a sign going, like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, me, 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 Kim running away. <laughs> oh, that'd be great, you know. Re-edit, re-edit Kim and the cougar as Looney Tunes. I think we'd all be on board. Uh, another storyline that we can quickly get out of the way, uh, Michelle's first real story arc of the season and the series, really. Uh, this just, it's so obvious that at some point, four or five episodes in, they decided we want to keep her on the show. Let's give her something good for the second half of the season. And then the writer's like, we don't have any good in us. <laughs> we only have bad. Here you go. But what I will say is I now that this storyline's come back and I'm starting, oh yeah, I remember, I remember this. Oh, this was bad. Uh, you could see how the suspense was being created for something bigger than we're going to get. And we, we get the first seed planted here of what the drama is going to be between Carrie and Michelle. And mm. it's just, it's, it, it ends up being such a disappointment, but I really feel bad for the actress that plays Carrie here because you can tell from her performance that they didn't tell her where this story was going. They just said, you need to be like really angry and kind of shady. And you, she's thinking I'm the next Nina. I've got this made. Uh, and that's kind of the difference between Sarah Clark in the first season where she had no clue where it was going and she probably didn't care about where it was going. So she played it so cool and so under the radar. And now Carrie is like, it's almost like it's too over the top. And then event, I, I just, I can't wait for the revelation to come where we watch this actress's performance change to just extreme disappointment because she's going all out here, but uh, basically after jock, j- jock, jock. <laughs> good old jock Bauer, the jock, <laughs> There he is. That man's got a jock, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you in a couple of weeks. I'll be able to sniff it. <laughs> Come backstage to meet Keith Sutherland. Hey, Keith, how you doing? Ben Rashad, can I sniff your jock? <laughs> you know, Keith is not the, it's not the first time he's been asked that, so it's not going to be that unusual for him. I mean, when, when he's that big, like, I mean, it kind of like I would be able to sniff it when I walked into the room. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, look, it's fine. Like, you know, you touched it four times in the audience. I didn't mean to hit you with it, but it just it swung that way. 
you know when we did our first Leslie Hope, the first of three Leslie Hope interviews, and uh, as soon as we finished, we're like, I can't believe we forgot to ask her about the amnesia. <laughs> this is now the thing. Literally, that we're like, we forgot about the, yeah. that. It was poignant, really. <laughs> and then three interviews in, we're like, I can't believe we forgot to ask her about Kiefer's jock smell. <laughs> Get her back on. We know she's coming. <laughs> but that's what that's what he whispered in, or what she whispered in his ear in the helicopter. She's like. <laughs> God, your your jock jock. smell great. Mm, That's a man smell. (laughs) We can do an episode with Leslie Hope where we just have a list of, all right, we just want you to say, confirm or deny that these are the things you whispered to Kiefer Sutherland. Your jock (laughs) smells great. (laughs) Your jock looks great. (laughs) Your new album was semi-okay. Um You're Jack Bauer. You're going to find the bomb. (laughs) (laughs) You like taquitos too. Um, (laughs) Oda Kiefer, the new scent by Kiefer Sutherland. I bet you his crush smells like taquitos. (laughs) Again, I'll tell you in a couple of weeks. I can't believe how off base we are already, but taquitos. You know how like you eat curry. I mean, you smell Often. of curry, especially after urinate. So the, the, I, man, I, the amount of taquitos that man packs. Hang on, hang on. Sorry, back up. When you <laughs> urinate after eating curry, what sort of curry are you eating if your piss smells like curry? I've never had that before. Ben, you've never had real curry, Ben. <laughs> Apparently not. I'm missing out. <laughs> Ben's like I, I sprinkle a little curry powder. I'm talking about curry. Let, let, let me just let me just say this. Um, I have a good friend who who came here from India, and I remember the first time that um, uh, we went over to their house for for they're gonna cook it. Well, we're gonna cook a real Indian meal for you. And Jamie was asking his wife, "It's like so so what type of curry powder do you use?" And she actually was looking at a, a what? It's a curry powder. It's like what's a curry powder like? literally did not understand that there is curry in powder form. Like real so basically, curry. Basically, unless you're you smell all over like your, curry, your, you've your, had a shit curry. Like literally. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A real curry, you should smell it all over your fudgies the next day. Over <laughs> your fudgies? What the fuck? Remember airheads? Oh, Run around in your right. fudgies. <laughs> Jesus, I'm hearing all these words coming from Colin's mouth, but like, I'm just like, if I ever like go to a urinal and I'm just all of a sudden... I had some curry last night, did you there, Ralph? <laughs> Good on you. Um, it's like, okay. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm losing track of this conversation. So, again, like, ma- maybe if I go and see Keith alive and I'm just like, you know, oh, I've got to go to the bathroom. Oh, G'day, Key, how you doing, mate? I'm going to piss, eh? Oh, curry, oh. Smell like, like lemon, lemon curry. Oh, I was good, was it? Okay. Um, I have no sense of smell and taste. Thanks, COVID. So maybe that will, like, connect the oh, dots. Yeah, yeah. Curry smell will bring it back, especially coming out. I'm just going to go to some urinals and just stick my head in them. <laughs> what, go to an you, Indian restaurant. I'll be all over those urinals. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I know the whole fact that, like, if you have um, blue cordial, you have green poo. But, like, I didn't realize that if you had curry, your curry smells like piss. So, oh, yeah. Your, your piss smells like curry. You your know curry what? smells like piss. That's a bad curry. <laughs> What's this one, Ralph? Oh, it smells like piss. <laughs> The other way around. <laughs> I'm killing Colin. I'm killing Colin. I can't wait to send you your next care package. <laughs> That's all right. I'll get this first one probably by the next Olympics. So um, I can't <laughs> wait. It, it, to me, it's just, it's so hilarious. I sent this thing months ago, a care package, Ben, which includes some Olympic stuff, a Gordon Bombay pop figure, 
Uh, and he's going to be leaving Australia. <laughs> I have two more postage days, Colin. Two more postage days. If it does not arrive tomorrow or Friday, <laughs> I'm going to be sad. It will arrive on Monday, the day I leave, probably, and I'm like already on a plane. <laughs> it, it'll be there. I, I trust it'll be there. Canada Post no. will. I mean, Canada, see, this is the difference between you and Jared. I send something to Jared, it gets there in a timely fashion. I send something Does to it? you, they lose it. Well, in comparison, I guess. You sent it in July. It got in, like, February. That's Canadian <laughs> standard. Then, Jesus. Wow. That's Canada Post for you. That's, that, that's, um, a, that's Express in Canada. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Six months? I fucking shit. I splurged for Express. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, you still haven't paid me for that. You didn't splurge for nothing. I, I've said to you how many times I will pay you for it. You're not once have you provided me with how much I owe you and the details Actually, to send it to you. The reason is because every time we have our 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 um uh renewal come up for uh the the podcast or whatever award show we're gonna get nominated for only off the podium for, eh, we'll just take it off that. It, it will be even soon. <laughs> you literally sound like cable. I get a message the other day from cable going like, Oi, you still owe me that money for um the sending the bus. I'm like, Cable, the last message I literally sent you says, send me your bank details, I'll send you the money, to which you never replied. It's like, oh, yeah, you know what? He still hasn't sent me the bank details. I'll probably get a message in about two weeks going, you haven't given me your money. Again, bank details, we'll send you the money. I can't, I'm not just going to sit there and go, there's a three in it, there's a four in it. Um, Am I getting warmer here? You know, you know, that's a low blow to compare me to Cable, okay? <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there. Um, you know, just hello to Cable if he's listening. Probably not. Anyways, um, so yeah, the Michelle storyline is Tony's on crutches because Carlos Bernard <laughs> twisted his ankle. Um, uh, uh, of course, Carrie wants to be throwing Michelle under the bus. I saw her talking to Jack. Carrie actually really has a point. And I, again, kind of feel bad for her that she's going to be made to be a villain here when she actually 100% has a point. But the way that Tony defends Michelle, like you could tell how horny he is. It's like, you know, I saw her talking to Jack. Well, yeah, yeah, they were just catching up. They're old friends. They've known each other for nine hours. And like, oh, no, no, but I saw them talking. Uh, what was the, the line she has later on? Uh, they weren't trading recipes. It was conspiratorial. Like <laughs> the conspiratorial is a word now. I didn't even know that was a word before. Um, Tony's basically like, you know what? Put a tail on her. <laughs> this is T- Tony getting into Captain. Give me your badge, Michelle. Uh, and um, th- there's one part uh, though that I thought was hilarious, uh, which was like very like, um, uh, oh, obviously the patronizing thing was hilarious. Like uh, where where we finally get the hint of what's going on here. Michelle gets the call. From is his name Danny? That's her brother's name. Yeah, which I'll I'll question you in a minute if you recognize this guy. Well, I I do recognize him, but I guarantee I did not recognize him the same thing you did. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll talk about this. So she gets a call from Danny, and of course he's asking her like, "Why didn't you tell me about the bombs?" She can do her job right. Jack's told people about the bomb. Kim's told everybody about the bomb. Michelle is the only person there doing her job. Uh, but um, basically the way that this were, well, maybe I'll call Carrie. This is very like, could you tell Luke? Is that who could tell? Uh, <laughs> but, but this guy, I mean, it's a small role. We're really only going to see him in the next one or two episodes here. Uh, but this actor, now he was built. I looked at him and I'm like, I know this guy. And then I, I see that the name of the credits, I'm like, Justin Lewis. I'm like, that's not who I thought it was. And then I Google Justin Lewis and it comes up as Lewis Ferrara. Uh, who is actually a very famous Canadian actor. He uh, uh, was a, a regular on one of the Stargate shows. 
Um, I actually recognize him most. The thing I recognize him from was there's a great Canadian TV show called Motive, uh, which was, it's another one of those typical, you know, CSI without a trace numbers type shows, but a Canadian version, fantastic show. The leading actress on that show, probably the most charismatic actress I've seen on television, who is also in uh, the, the Leslie Hope movie, Lie Exposed, that we talked about, uh, where she basically flashes her crotch to David Hewlett, another one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, lucky, but this guy, Louis Ferraro, well, this guy, Louis Ferraro, he was the male lead on that show, Motive. Uh, and, and a great show, cheesy, but great show. But uh, yeah, then when I looked up his filmography, I'm like, this guy was in a show that Ben has talked about a lot here. Breaking Bad. Um, do you, now, but do was... you recognize him who he was in? Because he's a pretty famous role in Breaking Bad. Was he, okay, when no, I say famous role, a famous scene in Breaking Bad. No, and that, that's the thing I was going to ask you, because if, if I had seen him on Breaking Bad and recognized him on Breaking Bad, I would have had the same double take. I'm like, that's that guy from Motive, isn't it? He's um so basically he's Declan in Breaking Bad, which is a pretty small role. He's basically the one who in the last season is going to he takes over the blue meth like when when Walt retires he's the one who starts distributing it but he, the, the the thing that everyone knows Declan for he's the one in the whole say my name scene so like when they're in the desert ah. and Heis, and Heis, you know Walt Heisenberg is just basically like say my name and he's like what it's like you know who I am say my name and he's like you're Heisenberg you're goddamn right it is that's who it is so basically oh, he's he only was- really known for that scene that, that shows the power of that scene, though, where yeah. you don't even pay attention to anybody but Brian Cranston. Yeah, and, that, and that, that's it. And we talked about that. Uh, well, we will in the upcoming episodes when it airs later this year. We haven't recorded all of them already. Um, but, like, how, like, yeah, the character of Declan is kind of, like, there. I, like, he's prominent because he takes over uh, like you know, the crystal blue. Yeah. But then, like, it's just it's just because everyone knows him. You see his face and you literally like, hey, he's the one who's like, Heisenberg, you're goddamn right it is. Like, that's that's him. Um, Have you finished talking about the storyline? or did, did you, That's, that's to- pretty much it for the storyline. <laughs> I Look, I, no, nah, I cannot stand Carrie. I just, I can't. Like, I just, I hate this storyline. I hate it so much. It's stupid. And Carrie. Did you hate me. it before you knew how bad it was yeah. going to get? Uh, oh, I probably couldn't remember when I was watching it for the first time. But, like. It's just I've never liked this Carrie character ever. I think I remember watching the first thing like, who is this woman? Like I just I don't like get there. I this this is probably my biggest problem with this episode, even outside of the Kim stuff, because like, there's so many little things with this. It's like literally like Tony has been like flawed, and I love it. Just Carrie's just like mm-hmm, the whole way, and she and Tony's like Carrie. And he's just like, oh, oh, Tony's on the floor. Um, Like, we get great medical staff woman from, like, the earlier in the season where it's basically like, she's having a seizure. She must have this. Like, literally, this doctor woman's just like, oh, probably not broken. You've got torn ligaments. And then, yeah. like, within 10 minutes, he's got a fucking moon boot on. And then Tony's just like, oh, yeah, it's probably just it. Like, Jesus Christ, the medical staff in CTU are brilliant. Um, <laughs> But, like, I, I just love the fact that, like, He's just so blasé and just like, oh, yeah, Jack stole Kate. Like, you know, oh, get on to security, which I know I'm kind of jumping ahead to the Jack stuff when, like, Jack just speeds out. But then, like, literally Tony's just like, ah, he got away. I've got the FBI and the LAPD. Like, you're a bit full on here, Tony. Like, I mean, like, this is your friend who, like, before you're like, oh, my God, Jack, don't die in a plane. He gets into a little shovy match. He's like, get the FBI, get the LAPD onto him, which kind of say FBI, LAPD, shit at their job. I don't see any of them searching for him in this, like, five minutes later. Well, um, we're going to see on the news they have bigger fish to fry. <laughs> but I also just love, like, Tony's, what, been in control for, like, two hours? He's just sawing around in bloody Mason's office. Like, he owns the place already. He's just, like, 
you know, sorting out staff disputes, you know, kind of doing all this and there. And, like, it's just I can kind of see what you're saying with, like, Carrie, like, she has a point. But at the same time, like, she's been working there for two hours. Tony's known Michelle for how long? Like, is he straight up, like, if you're a boss at your job, if you've met somebody for, like, a couple of hours, you just come in and gone, oh, yeah, I think... I don't know, Nathan is sorting around, but you've known Nathan for like two years and you're flirting with him and trying to get Nathan's pants. Like, are you just automatically going to believe like new guy at your work? Like, I think Tony's got a bit of a thing like, well, I don't know who you are, Carrie. So I'm going to take a benefit of the doubt here with this woman who, even though I want to like Mm -hmm. bone her senseless, she's a loyal employee to CTU who doesn't go around telling people about the bombs, unlike some of our star agents. Uh, well, so let's he kind of you know, does respond to her that way. I mean, even the next episode, when we'll get to next week, he's still looking for any excuse he can to defend Michelle. I, yeah, I get it. But I don't know. Like, I just, I, this storyline just, I just hate this storyline. It's just stupid. Like, even when you got this little dangle of Danny on the phone, like, and like, oh, Carrie knows, oh, she's a bitch. And it's just kind of like, you know, like, and Michelle, like, what are you doing up? It's like, well, he could be up at like midnight if he wants to be. Like, I mean, <laughs> He's a grown ass man, Michelle. Like, I mean, <laughs> he can do what he wants. Um, what are you doing but, up at midnight, Michelle? I mean, right now I'm recording this. It's 12 26 a.m. Do I get Rayco Owlsworth calling me up telling me to go to bed? Because I would listen. Uh, come on, Ray, <laughs> give me a call. <laughs> I would go to bed if you told me to. That would be a good phone call to get. Um, but I, I do love frustrated Michelle when she's on a computer and it's like, Deep, Sister Mara, Deep, Sister Mara. She's like, Carrie, what's going on? Grr! She's like, actually, as much as this storyline pisses me off, I'm going to say, Rekha Ellsworth does not phone it in. She does a good job. Um, yeah. but well, this almost the- feels like this is the test, you know? Like, yeah. you you want to be part of our show. Let's see how committed you are. Let's give you the worst storyline we could possibly come up That's with. That's a good point. And, and see how much effort you put in. And I just, I like, this is why maybe, like, I just, I've always loved the Michelle character and I just think she's just likable and you just kind of connect with her straight away. Um, mm. I also love the the Tony line. We kind of got back to a season one, like, Nina, like, you know, I've got the flavor saver, I'm in command. Like, <laughs> he literally says a line, this is my command. What happens here is my responsibility. So it's like, give me Tony command. Um, and he's just kind of like, I'm in control, I'm Tony. Even though he doesn't have the flavor saver. But um, I also do love, and again, I know I'm jumping ahead here to the different storyline, but I love Cool Tony on the phone to Mike Novak. It's like, hey, Mr. Novak, yeah, no, Jack <laughs> left the building. Like, it's very cool, this episode, Carlos Bernard. Now he's in control. Just this episode? Oh, always, come on. What a, what a man. I'd go watch even him when live. Even when he's smacking his girlfriend around in a future season, he's still cool, right? <laughs> can, you, can you imagine, like, if I get a seat, like, I say, keeps us alive and chilling. All right, sit next to me. Oh, Carlos Bernard. How are you doing, Carlos? <laughs> you to see Keeper as well? Smell that? I think he's been eating curry. Also, <laughs> 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 oh, actually, can I just say one thing um, about Carrie? A uh, mm-hmm. bit of a sexual assault claim maybe going against her. Can we just point that? When she goes up to um, uh, whoever this guy is who she orders to give to Tompkins, the file, she like r- goes up to him and like, rubs his shoulder and is like, hey, Barry, can you give this to Tompkins? First of all, why can't you give it to Tompkins? I get it. You're distracting Barry. But, like, I would literally be like, if it's this guy, like, you give it to Tompkins. He's right there. I thought Lazy. the exact same thing. She's the new person. She yes. goes up. She has taken the time to walk across the office to hand somebody to somebody and say, can you walk 10 feet that way and hand this to Tompkins? I just want Barry to kind of look at her and say, okay. 
<laughs> who are you? We haven't formally met. I'm Barry, new girl. <laughs> you give it to... T- How do you even know who Tompkins is? Tompkins she is She doesn't even realise that. She, she's so new, she didn't realise Barry's her boss. Tompkins like, no, died no, no. in the attack 12 hours ago. Rest in peace, Tompkins. <laughs> and, like, like who, who are we at? Like, I also love the fact there's, like, the, like we, we joke about the whole um, the Looney Tunes music. I swear there's literally Looney Tunes, like, detective music here because when it's, like, gives it to Tompkins, you literally hear, like, a dun-dun-dun. Dun, 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 dun. And just like typing away, putting on like this tracking thing. thing. Like, poor Barry. Barry's busy. Like, Barry's do it yourself. Barry, there's our new Janet. <laughs> yeah, justice for Barry. Poor Barry. Barry would go watch Keeper Sutherland play live. <laughs> uh, just a couple things I wanted to run through here. Uh, Lourdes Benedicto, who plays Carrie, uh, she was in 22 episodes at NYPD Blue over four years. So um, obviously more successful there than she was on 24. She did five episodes of ER playing Rena Truillo. I don't know what who that is. I don't remember. That in? Says started in 2001. So that would have been like season seven, season eight season, when she was yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I stopped watching that point. Uh, she was in seven episodes of Dawson's Creek playing Karen. Of course she was playing a Karen. <laughs> Such a Karen. Uh, uh numbers she did an episode of numbers of course one thing here i'm like oh now i know who she is uh she was on the tv show v that i was i was a huge fan of the tv show v the remake of v that came out uh Mm -hmm. that unfortunately was canceled after only two seasons uh she wasn't the best thing on v but she was decent and she did one episode of animal kingdom the uh, american television show spinoff of the famous australian movie um absolutely yep everyone in australia loved that because we're big fans in this country of whenever they do Americanized versions of our shows because they never well, turn I out bad. Were, I thought you were talking about the uh, the movie. I'm like, I thought that Australia would have loved Animal Kingdom. I've never seen it, so I can't really. Wow. <laughs> so an Australian movie that's bigger here than it is there. Probably. Um, all right. So, yeah, we're done with those storylines. Let's get into the, the, the adequate stuff now. <laughs> uh, so Palmer drama, uh, we... Meet the vice president for the first oh, time, Alan Dale. There he is, TV's Alan Dale. Australia, speaking of big Australians in other parts of the world, here he is. What a man. Uh, the vice president, and uh, he has a meeting with a British ambassador because they need to introduce him but keep him off camera for a little bit. Uh, and uh, Palmer, this is basically his mission for the next seven, eight episodes here. Uh, the one line he has, it will not start a war on false or incomplete information, which to me was very like, I will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war. <laughs> he'd, he'd be great. Great Amidala. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to see the love scenes between him and Hayden Christensen. Yeah. He would look good in a white torn outfit. Mm. <laughs> Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> this is how, this is how, what is it? Democracy dies, thunderous applause, or whatever it is. Or... <laughs> With thunderous applause. <laughs> <laughs> because <Again>. we can. <laughs> I'm pregnant. <laughs> That's wonderful. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> You're breaking my heart. You're going down a path I cannot follow. <laughs> because we can. Anakin. Anakin. <laughs> How do we do this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, but I love Palmer's mission, but again, I'm going to poke a lot of holes in this and it all comes down to the relationship with Mike. Now I mentioned one or two weeks ago that where we were going with the Mike character, I always thought they didn't do injustice. I always felt like Mike became a fall guy this season. Uh, The writers kind of sabotaged Mike in a way that never made sense to me. And I was curious if rewatching this season, I'd feel the same way. And I 100% feel the same way. 
because basically what this is all going to come down to is Palmer says, I don't think we should start this war. We should give Jack a chance. And Mike's like, all of our experts say Mike's still doing his job. He's not doing anything wrong. He's not doing anything different than anybody else. And he's still throughout the course of this episode, the next episode is still giving Palmer the benefit of the doubt. He's like, I will do my job. I will try to call Jack. But he's like, I, his, the, the, the job description is to basically present the president with other options. That's what he's there for. And I, I just feel like the way that Mike's written in this season, it's, it's going to bother me even more now on another viewing. Uh, but uh, I love that Mike looking to call Jack, he calls Lynn. I need to get in contact with Jack Bauer. This is like a very secretive meeting. And of all people, Lynn's going to be the one. It's like, I got Jack on speed dial. Like, why is she the one? He's does, well, how does Mike Novick not have the number to CTU? Uh, but this will, of course, lead to the call you're talking about uh, where uh, Mike calls Tony. And uh, I don't know. I, I really let's just get this over and done with. Um, uh, we're going to have the call with the vice president on Skype. The British ambassador is not happy. Uh, and Mike is, of course, the president is committed to this course of action that will lead us to war. Uh, <laughs> Mike tried his hardest. He called Tony. Uh, I need to get a call. Well, Jack's kind of uh, gone AWOL. Uh, Mike now has the grounds to, to make his point. And again, I'm not saying that Mike is right. Palmer is right. But the way they present Palmer in this show is completely illogical. He's like, it's the same way that like Tony's defending Michelle. Well, maybe he had a good reason for attacking his boss. Maybe he had a good reason for kidnapping a woman and going AWOL and setting off a nuke and doing every, telling everybody uh, that the bomb was going to go off. Like Jack has done everything wrong in the season. And even though Jack is right and even though Palmer's right, there's not enough logic to their actions to have it make sense for their characters. And even though Mike is technically wrong, you still see Mike trying. And I just, I don't like the way they're going to go with Mike here. It, it, what bothers me is that it's not like Mike is like Rayburn, you know, there's, there's no ulterior motive here. He is just a guy trying to do his job. So justice for Mike, that's going to be what I'll be screaming for the next six, seven episodes. I definitely, again, I seem like I see what you're saying, but I, I kind of disagree in the fact that what really frustrates, like I like this storyline, but what frustrates me is the rush nature. Like Mike literally has that line, whether it's to the vice president or Lynn. And it's like, if the president turns around these planes uh, based on uh, his hunch that this could be wrong, it could be a disaster. What? Why? What? Why? Like you literally gotta wait three hours, <laughs> like literally like you can go, Oh, well give us a bit more time to like, again, we talked about this recently about how, you know, after 9-11, it took him a month to fucking mm -hmm. bomb Afghanistan. There's no rush here. Again, this yeah. is, I get it. TV show's got a TV show. You can't literally be like, well, I've got the next three months to decide. Tune in next season to 24 <laughs> to see how that happened in between season two and three. They're not even I, waiting until their continental breakfast is done. Exactly. So like, th th this is my issue with this. Is it like, literally, he's like, if we don't bomb this country now, it'll be a disaster. No, it won't. Like, mm. you're fine. Like, literally turn them away. And go, oh well, we missed that opportunity. How's Thursday for you? Like, yeah. and that's and that's like my problem. Like, I get what you're saying with Mike, but like literally they're acting like it's now and ever. And like, even with the Jack stuff, yeah, like, yeah, Jack shouldn't have like, you know, Jack could literally just say, Hey, got this phone call, gonna take Kate for a ride, avoid all this drama. But at the same time, the way Mike's acting like, Mr. President, Jack's gone rogue. Why? <laughs> Because he's trying to prove if this is is fake, and literally find the president I'm like, okay, well, he's doing his job, sweet. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, that's all he has to say. Like, why do they have to be like, 
oh my God, this is concerning. Jack's gone rogue to see if, like, if anything, Jack's willing to do anything to prove it. It's not like they're saying, like, the most concerning part to me is when they literally say he's with Kate Warner, who was the sister of a terrorist. That's <laughs> where you go, well, that's a bit concerning. Jack's yeah. hanging out with the sister of a terrorist who we haven't, again, blonde from Pasadena, couldn't possibly be evil. <laughs> so, like, to me, this is where it's frustrating because, like, yeah, drama's got a drama, TV show's got a TV show, we're going to get all this against Palmer. This is the first time all season Palmer's been completely right and is doing everything in his power to make it right. And now everyone's just like, even TV's Alan Dale was all like, oh, sir, we should be telling the British, we should be doing this. I'm like, I'm the president. Like, well, no. Like, I'm glad they're concerned that a bomb's gone off, but do, like, all he has to say is, do we want to go to war based on something that may be false? And they mm-hmm. were like, well, all our experts say this, and you're only saying it because of one man. Okay, I'm only saying it because of one man, but this is also a government organisation. He's a high-ranking official who has very good track record, 99% accurate generally. Sure, he tried to kill me a couple of times a few years ago, but he was doing it to save his family. Awkward. But, like, it's literally, like, this is, I'm sure, what would happen in the real world. Again, right now, let's date this episode. Putin invading Ukraine, right? He's getting ready to go. He's going this. I'm sure he's got a couple of Russian officials like, yes, Mr. President, we shouldn't do this. We've got Cyprus recording. Putin probably would just wouldn't get, like, he'd probably just send him to Siberia and murder him. I don't know. But, like, that's Russian 24 coming soon to the Oz Network. That's that's just called two. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, you've got, like, Russian Jack Bauer who's walking around. It's like, Mr. President, I'm going to shut up, kill that man. Bang. All right. Let's invade Ukraine. <laughs> da, 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 da. that's Russian 24. But anyway, point is, I see what you're saying. I disagree. I think that, like, Mike's just being a little bit of a punce. Um, They're like, the president is completely right here. This is the first time all season. Palmer, you are being the president that we want, and you are being 100% right. But he's not 100% because he should at least be. See, here's, here's where I'm going with Mike. And I completely understand what you're saying, and I agree with it. But I feel like this isn't necessarily an issue just of the characters. This is an issue, which we're going to get into even in Jack in a second, of just illogical actions of the characters. It's a writing issue. Of all the characters who act illogically here, of Michelle, Tony, Jack, Mike, Palmer. The Cougar. I feel like Mike is the... Do you have another one? The Cougar. The Cougar actor. Oh, and the Cougar. Yeah, the Cougar. No logic there. There's (laughs) no meat in those bones. Cougar of Kim. Like, go eat the other guy. He's got more fat in his bones. That Cougar was given no proper backstory, no prep. Uh, (laughs) But the problem is, is that of all those characters who act illogically... From this point going forward, Mike is the only one who at least asks questions. And Palmer doesn't even say, that is concerning. If he had even had a lot, well, that is concerning that Jack assaulted a man. You know, then there'd be a limit, but I want us to investigate this still. Mike is the one still asking those questions. Well, the president said this, but you know what? Here, I will do what the president said. It, it, it is all a writing issue this season. But Mike is the only one who seems to be doing his job. And I'll, I'll have an example. Well, I'll, I'll just get to it right now. I just, of all movies, this is going to be the weirdest comparison. I just watched the movie Being the Ricardos, okay? Uh, nominated for a couple of Academy Awards. Good? Usually, I, I, I loved it. And, and here's the thing. I usually hate movies, especially now, post-Bohemian Rhapsody. I hate movies that are about celebrity depictions because let's give it all the awards because, oh, this person did a great impression of a celebrity, but no substance to the performance, like Bohemian Rhapsody, like the Judy Garland movie and stuff like that. It's just an impression. Being the Ricardos, there's real substance to the characters. And that's kind of where, where I'm going with this. Uh, in that movie, 
Um, Nicole Kidman plays Lucille Ball, and it's all about one episode or one week on the show. And in this one episode, she is constantly questioning the actions of her character. There's a simple scene where her husband's supposed to come in, put his hands over her eyes, and guess who? And she just starts guessing other guys' names. It's clearly a joke. And the husband's reaction is like, no, 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 he's getting upset. And she's questioning, why would he be upset? Would he logically think that I had all these other men over, you know, that, that all had the same voice as him and had keys to the apartment and stuff like that? It's that logic that actors need to ask. And it, we're in 24 season two. I mean, it's fair that the actors aren't going to care that much at this point. You know that Kiefer Sutherland, Dennis Haysbert, Carlos Bernard, all these actors later on when they're more comfortable in the show, they would say, yeah, but my character would not respond like this. My character wouldn't do this. And the way I feel is I'm not saying this is the way it went down, but it feels like Jude Shikulala. <laughs> Nobody can pronounce Jude that name. Uh, but it feels like he's the only actor on set saying yes, but Mike should at least question this. And that's why I side with Mike, because there's a little bit more logic to him, even if he's in the wrong. Yes. Yeah, you're right. I think my issue comes down to knowing a where this goes and b again and it's just it's a ben water with nitpicks for nitpicking sake because again i get why they have to rush this and make it dramatic because again we've got what like six episodes seven episodes to go you can't stall this for like four seasons but like i still think it's just that point where it becomes so unrealistic because i just i don't buy into this absolute urgent nature we have to invade right now that's where i'm like you know, even with Palmer, like, I agree with you, like, Mike's questioning all sides of it and looking into this and, like, all evidence shows that it... But, like, again, if there's a skerrick of doubt, I can't imagine that a, a, a U Like, again, we live through the whole, like, invade Iraq, weapons of mass destructions, pretty much fake, weren't real, you know, whatever. Hit me with it, Republican supporters. But, like, it's... it. They didn't invade day one. Like, nobody put a document on Bush's desk... And we're like, Mr. President, Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction. What's the time? Midday? We'll be invading by six. Like, yeah. they drag that shit out for, like, six fucking months. Like, and, and it's television being television, you know? That, but that's, and that's, you, exactly. Like, I'm just being me and just, need, like, this show. But you're not, because you're you're the guy who defends Cal in Titanic, and and we, we, we want to well, see it from a villain's point of view. Mike's not a villain. That's a I, man. I, I want to put this. Uh, that's a man there. <laughs> B- Billy Zane had played Mike Novick then. Billy then. Zane would kick Jude C's ass. Come on. <laughs> Walk into a room. He's been eating curry. He'd let, just let whip it out. <laughs> piss everywhere. Smell dead. <laughs> Jude C. Dead. Billy Zane zips it up. He's like, I'm a man because I eat my curry. <laughs> Bug it I, off. I'll put a challenge out there. I, I, uh, uh, we got some good feedback from my brother, who's apparently still listening to our 24 recaps two seasons in. Hi, um, Ian. <laughs> answer this question. Are you Team Mike or are you Team Palmer, Jack, everybody else? And my only question in that is, do you see it from Mike's point of view? Should Mike get as much uh, hate as he's going to get by the end of the season four? That's the only question. Just give give us your take on Mike's position uh, if you're listening to this episode. Um and also tell us, do you think that uh, the cougar should have uh, had a big backstory? I don't know. And let undercover uh, when you listen to this in 2026. And let undercover, well. yes. <laughs> tell us at the time where Ukraine has actually invaded Russia and Putin yeah. uh, has them. been hung from the street lamp. No, yes. I, I'm glad. You, good Can on you, imagine, you, Ukraine. Well imagine done. by the time this episode does come out in, what, two weeks, 
Ukraine probably has invaded Russia. Why Russia's don't they just the do past. that? Like, fuck it. If I'm the president of Ukraine, there's always like, oh, will they invade? I'll just be like, fuck them. Let's invade them. <laughs> Is this an Olympic thing? <laughs> Maybe. I'm, I'm wondering this because there was, um, I can't remember what Olympics it was. Uh, the what was the five day war? It was Vancouver war? with Georgia, wasn't it? When they like yeah, with, invaded with Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, yeah. I, I swear it was right around that time during the no, Olympics. I remember that. that was, yeah. They made mention of that. Uh, the, f- so this will be the famous four day war. You know, they're just going to very patriotic. Like, oh, the Olympics on must invade country. We lose in hockey, you lose a country. <laughs> That's our like, sports they're, they're so pissed off that they can't represent themselves. Like, you want to see Russian Olympic Committee? We fucking invade Ukraine. This is our fucking... You think we're on drugs in sport? You look at our fucking military. Fucking nuke the shit out of them. Fucking do it. The hockey team's part of that military. <laughs> yeah. You, the reason why I didn't want to wear his medal is because he's like, no, this medal signify bomb. I hold yeah. it. Show toughness of Russia. And this is the thing with Putin. Literally the only world leader who would invade a country shirtless. There you go. <laughs> on a horse. <laughs> Justin Trudeau, you can invade any country shirtless. I'd watch. You know, <laughs> Joe Biden, probably not so much. And I won't comment on New Zealand invading other countries because that's inappropriate because it's a woman. You know, like, you know, like, <laughs> ben has never said something inappropriate on this show. <laughs> never. Would not dream of it. Uh, all right. Now we get to the good stuff. Jack, um, sort of, because <laughs> there is, again, some real problems here. At very beginning of this. As he's dragging, um, dragon. Uh, I was going to call him dragon. Like a dragon. That's uh, a dragon. <laughs> curry breath too. That's that's dragon breath there. Uh, but, uh, when he's dragging, uh, why can't I remember her name? Kate. Kate. There we go. Australia. Sarah Winter. <laughs> as famous as Animal Kingdom in Australia. <laughs> Seriously. You walk down the street and show a picture of this woman to like 10 people in Australia. Probably recognize Dale Begg Smith before they recognize her. <laughs> Which one of them? You literally hold them. Who are these two people to like 10 Australians? You'd get one of them go, that's that Canadian guy that won us a gold medal at the Olympics. And that's his uh, girlfriend. Blanchett. <laughs> um, uh, I-, I was going to comment uh, during the Olympics. It should have been on off the podium, but. Every well, time we watched um, snowboarding or skiing events with Australians in it, my, my comment was like, are, is every Australian woman blonde? Like, literally, your entire country on the female side seems to be blonde. Tess Cody's not blonde. She's like dark hair. No, nah, well, she had a helmet on, I can tell. Uh- <laughs> Jakara Anthony's got dark hair. Oh, well, of course I know Jakara Anthony. But I, this, Brit Cox is dark. I'm trying to think of any blonde Australians. Like, what are you watching? The Australian, not Austria. No, the, the bad Arthur. events, the half pipe, the, the big air, the, the slope style. Okay, Emily Arthur, literally the only one who has blonde hair. So, again, I don't know what country you're looking at. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go over my footage. I'll confirm with you. Um, oh, no, that wasn't Australia. That was New Zealand. Pretty much the same thing. Oh, Anyways. <laughs> racist. <laughs> don't get Ben started on New Zealand, especially lately. Uh, anyway, so I want to Jack- ba- backtrack about what I was saying about the inappropriate comment about the leader of New Zealand. The, the, the funny part of that is, is actually thinking New Zealand could invade someone. Like, <laughs> Well, come on. They can win gold medals in the Olympics. Yeah, so can Per Belgium. capita, they've won much more than Australia. <laughs> so, so can Liechtenstein. We went over this. Um, <laughs> you know, I could win a gold medal. Eileen Goo can win gold medals. I mean, come on. Not that hard. Jesus Christ. We know Kiefer would win a gold medal, though. 
Oh, um, Kiefer is a gold medal. That man's a, like you win it. You win a gold, silver, bronze, or a Kiefer. <laughs> that's gold a, that's is second. <laughs> silver is third. Bronze is fourth. First is you get a Kiefer. So it's a little Kiefer Sutherland around your neck. For our next Olympics, we're going to rename our athlete of the day or our daily Dale to the daily Kiefer. Doesn't matter that he's not in the Olympics; it can still be the daily Kiefer because he's Kiefer Sutherland. We just literally have that in life. Like if you do well, like if you if you do a good job in this episode, Colin, and everyone's like, "Yeah, Colin, he hosted that well." You get a Kiefer. <laughs> yeah. Now, Kiefer's storyline here completely illogical. Um, really reveals the writers struggling this late in the game to come up with stuff for the the characters to do. But as he's dragging Kate out of the building and he's like, do you trust me? Yes. I'll tell you everything in the car. Now it's officially kidnapping Kiefer. (laughs) I won't tell you why, but I'm going to drag you there. And when he reveals it to her, he says, so a guy called me and he said the recording was fake and I needed to bring you. Uh, Oh, who was he? I don't know. Okay, so this could be fake, just like the record. Like Jack has less information on who this guy is and what his claims are than he does on the recording being fake. Why is he automatically believing that this information is real? Again, just because the writers make it real later on, it doesn't make it logical. That's my problem here. Um, but uh, where we're going to go with this is, uh, oh, oh I, I love this too, uh, where he tells her, I just wanted to tell you so you knew before you accepted the risk. But you didn't tell her. You got her in the car and you're around the corner from Mr. Coral Snake who wants to kidnap her. This isn't you giving her a choice to accept the risk. This is you telling her, I'll tell you later. And then when it's too late to turn back, you reveal it to her. Again, just, it's completely illogical. Um, Jack does uh, get, he gets tailed. He's got a tail. And it's Yusuf, Mr. Yemen liaison. Uh, And, of course, Yusuf's going to be a very important part of the next uh, couple hours here. Yusuf, uh, he's not we, useless anymore. He, he is he is useful Yusuf. Um, useful Yusuf. Useful <laughs> Yusuf. The new podcast coming soon by Kiva Sutherland. <laughs> Dissecting every second of Yusuf screen time in 24. <laughs> Can we do that? Can we just start a spinoff of the Yusuf? <laughs> <laughs> we can start with Janet. We'll just pick one character per season. Janet, Yusuf. <laughs> you know those, like, you know, Jurassic Park in a minute? podcast you know yeah. it, you know we'll do the i just Janet discovered there's a mission impossible one wow good for you um i didn't <laughs> i discovered there was a titanic one and you went off at me so but uh yusuf's gonna end up working with him here so now jack's got an ally and it's another person who is operating outside of his government's authority <laughs> um, diverse jack going for the middle east and so you know Good for him. Yeah, Australian, Middle Eastern. He's really diversifying here. He's, he's the United Colors of Benetton. He's a United Nations Bauer. Here he yeah, is. this is the United Nations of Bauer. Here we go. We'll just remember this so that in a few seasons when he's just constantly torturing Chinese and Russians, that uh, this is completely <laughs> fine because in season two, he hired a couple of foreign nationals to help him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, Yusuf brings up an interesting point here where he says, you know, my country, you got to think here, Jack, my country would instantly die if America retaliated. And this is the question that everybody in the White House should be saying right now. But, but Why would they it, do this? Yeah. We're going to wipe them out. But it's contradicting itself because earlier in the exactly. season when Palmer's on the phone to the Yemen prime minister and he's like, if you retaliate, you will make enemy of one third of the world's population. Okay, fine. Ballsy president of Yemen. But then this guy, like just local Yemen, you know, agent, he's logical. 
You know, this is this is my whole point with Saeed Ali before the other week when it's kind of like, well, he's got a point. Like, why would I do this? Like, what, 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 you know? And it's like straight away, it's like, well, he should be believed. You yeah. know, like, again, and this is, again, my point because generally what we've seen in the real world is when you have people from these countries who do this, they don't shy away and go, oh, no, I didn't do that. Like, fuck, after 9-11, some bin Laden was like having yeah. street parades. Like, fuck, I did it, me. <laughs> like, and that's generally what happens, you know? So, like... Literally nobody has claimed responsibility for this in a post-9-11 world. They should be like, hmm, this is a bit odd. Shouldn't anybody, like, be claiming this? Like, Well, yeah. and it's still the middle of the night. I mean, in in some of these countries, it's it's early morning. They're barely awake. Like, give them the chance to claim it first. I also, can I, flat plot hole. Sorry to go on a tangent here again. We've already established that the president is not going to go on air for like, you know, good morning America to like 6am to be like, hey, everyone, good morning. Go, you know, great win by the, the Dodgers last night. By the way, we were nuked. Um, but like, so nobody really technically knows that a nuclear bomb has gone off officially. Yet mm-hmm. you've got every man and his dog in LA, fucking Danny's bringing up, ah, oh, there's a nuke going off. Like fucking the British prime ministers on the phone. Oh, hey, Johnny, shit, you've got a nuclear bomb go off, old chap. That must be a bit of a bugger. Like, I mean, look, so how does everyone know? <laughs> like, I mean, I get it. You see a mushroom cloud over a city. You might, hmm, that's not normal. Uh, so. But it's like it's not even over the city. It's it's far enough away that there is going to be no effects in Los Angeles. So a couple people in the desert, the guy in the liquor store should be the guy who knows about this, you know? <laughs> well, even because even the cop, um, he didn't he say, like, over the, oh, ever since the bomb's gone off, we're getting a call every 10 minutes. Well, I think, well. Stand a day, you probably get a call every 10 minutes, champ. Like, yeah. I mean, it's LA. It's a big city. Uh, <laughs> fuck, it's Tuesday. It's been four hours. No crime in Los Angeles today. Oh, well, what are the odds? Like, if it's be- if 10 minutes between calls, nobody knows about this. Yeah. If it's Winnipeg, like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> ooh, it's Thursday. We haven't had a call in four weeks. Like, uh, I'm sure Snug even would get more calls than every 10 minutes. Hell. Yeah, Hobart, like crime capital of the world if it's 10 minutes in LA, like every now and then. I, mean, I don't think I'm going to call triple zero right now and I'm going to get Jenny on there like, fuck, I'm so bored. What have you got for me? Like, I don't watch 911 and all of a sudden Jennifer Love Hewitt's sitting there on a computer checking her Instagram going, oh, fuck, this is a boring shift, isn't it? Like, no! <laughs> LA! Jesus. Anyway, sorry. Yes, uh, Jack. <laughs> so um, I love Kate basically asking before they go in with their plan here. Uh, and this is going to be, again, a running trend over a couple of weeks. So what do you want me to do? The audience question of the season. Why <laughs> is Kate there? They had an idea. They carry through that. idea. I think that the, the Kate, the, the Warner storyline works well up to a certain point. And now we've officially crossed into territory of let's just have Jack with her. Oh, and why do you need her? Uh, she's got to like sign some document to get this guy. Because this master criminal behind Coral Snake <laughs> is going to have no other way out of the country other than Kate Warner to sign on a dotted line and say, I authorize this man leaving. It's the the most ridiculous storyline. Uh, and we've got Kim with a cougar, but this might be okay. the most ridiculous storyline of the season. You're looking ahead to a week when we're going to be doing an autopsy on a person because they've got a chip inside of them, right? Like, and, and like the, it doesn't exactly skew into normality with how some of this is going to go. Uh, let me let uh, me rephrase. Illogical. Uh, again, let's stay on the illogical train here. It makes no sense at all, and it is so forced as to why Kate's going to be here. But you know why I'm okay with it? 
because Kiefer Sutherland and Sarah Winter have this weirdly good chemistry together that I wish they had found a way to explore in future seasons. And Kiefer, like, God, like, just puts everything into anything in this show. Like, seriously, like, you could have an episode of Jack Bauer waits in line to buy a can of soup. Oh, yeah. watch that. <laughs> episode number one episode of 24 jack's buying his heinz tomato soup and he's just standing in a line at walmart oh damn it i'm gonna save the world starts talking to like Brittany, the 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 cashier like damn it give me my soup oh sorry sir the the register's down let me call my supervisor entertainment galore for the whole family but like he just puts his all but like it it literally screams of we've signed Sarah Winter for 24 episodes and we're going to have yeah. to use her. Um, and, it, like, you, you also look at it as Jack gets pretty lucky. Like, if he doesn't get Oh, we know he does call, after this season. Well, <laughs> that man gets lucky walking down the street. Like, it's just, you know, <laughs> five times in, like, five blocks. That guy is an animal. Um, but, like, seriously, like, he doesn't get this phone call. Let's just, again, be logical. Like, do you always answer your phone when it rings, Colin? Like, always? Oh, no. I mean, if, if I don't recognize the number, I'm going to just let it go to voicemail. And if they don't leave a voicemail, I don't care. Like, And if Jack I do hang- recognize the number, sometimes I don't answer. Jack hanging around at CTU. Like, when he got that phone call last week, it was like five to midnight. Like, Jack said, <laughs> filling his paperwork in. He's like, oh, what's this number? Oh, out of area. I'm not answering that. It's five to midnight. Like, I mean, you know, I should be in bed. I want to go home and hang out with my, you know, how do I live photo and, like, mourn Terry again. Like, very lucky that Jack just happened to answer the phone call. Um, but you're mm. right. Like, it, it, it's, you know, it's literally, hey, I want Kate. Why? Because she works <laughs> for Warner Industries. Okay? Well, I want her on the plane because no, like, what sort of company doesn't allow their planes to fly without an executive on board? Like, yeah. fucking hell, like, Facebook? Like, fucking Mark Zuckerberg? Like, all right, Facebook executives, we're going to Vegas for the weekend. Oh, we can't do this, guys. Why? Because Zuckerberg's off in Hawaii for the weekend. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it! This process just never works. Um, so like pretty shit organization of the Warner Industries, and I love how he's all like, "Oh, and you've got Bob Warner in custody, so she's the only one available." Fucking like, what sort of structure does this company have? Does Larry in accounts not like count? Like you know, does does Jenkins over in you know the the Boston office not available? Like I mean, pretty shit company. If all of a sudden Kate's it. Um, uh, yeah, anyway, so it is pretty rubbish, but you're right. Like, I, I, the thing is I love about Kiefer is I love that, like, he goes on to, like, yes, Kate, I'm going to protect you. I'm not going to, until all of a sudden he's just like, yeah, get in the car. Get in the trunk. Fucking do it. Like, do it. Yeah. Do it. Get in the car. But, but Jack, just do it. Got to say, Kate bit dumb. Like. Oh, yeah. Like, again, like, this should be all avoided. TV show's got a TV show. Like, again, as we think we talked about this, like, literally Jack could just be like, hey, Tony, got this phone call. Can I take Kate with us? We'll protect her. Okay, sure. Like, we will mm-hmm. literally see this in future seasons where it's like, we've got to provide this person. We will protect you. We will put everything in place, right? So, like, this is something that's going to happen. This time around, Jack's just going rogue because, again, TV show's got a TV show. But, like, I just... I And also, like, the dramatic nature of this, like, interrogation and you got use of, like, knocking this guy out and, like... You didn't knock him out. Yeah, hey, six four two got a scar in his face. And I also love the fact that this neon light in this alley is controlled by like a tiny little AV plug. Oh yeah. Like seriously, that is it. Like, and he's just gonna get with his foot. Like fucking hell. It's like that Mr. Yeah. Bean episode, of the Christmas one, when the the entire like Harrods light show is controlled by one little fucking plug. Like, 
I'm like, I wondered, is this is this something like a failsafe they install? Like, okay, this will be our code. I've got this little button under the desk that'll flip this on. There's no possible way. There's just an electrical shortage. A bomb went off. There might yeah. be some EMP. <laughs> what, what, what if like he's looking at the wrong neon sign? Like he was all of a sudden looking over yeah. at McDonald's and he said, and he like goes storming into McDonald's. He's like, damn it, where's Kate? I'm like, sir, this is McDonald's. Oh shit, there's a Kate who works here. Where is she? <laughs> yeah. Um. Let, let's kind of group this all together because it's a pretty simple plot, but th- this guy, Jonathan Wallace, Mr. Coral Snake, I love his long-winded credentials. <laughs> it's like, who are you? It's like, I'm Jonathan Wallace, former Navy SEAL, captain of the whatever, the National Guard, blah, 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 blah. And this rolls up a sleeve, Coral Snake tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Very dramatic. But, it's, but it's, it's literally like Jack does the cyanide thing, right? The whole like yeah. cyanide. They've got to like point it. So literally he's just Coral snake. Like, yes, Jack, we can see it's a snake. Like, we know what that is. Why do you have to say it out loud? Like, it just, it yeah. makes no sense. Well, and of course, this guy immediately has to confirm everything so the audience knows Jack's not crazy. Yes, the recording was fake. I did it myself. <laughs> and I've got the original recording right here. And uh, I would have gotten away and- with it. See, if it wasn't for those damn meddling CTU agents. <laughs> well, and he even, like, he even goes through, oh, and this is why we bombed you. Because if there's war in the Middle East, the oil prices will drop. Oh, it, it's... It's a little too much information. Because literally, I love, I love when Jack's like, even at the expense of like Los Angeles, and he's just like, yeah. It's like, okay, is oil worth like what, a couple of billion? This is a city like the economic value of a city being destroyed probably outweighs a bit of oil you get in the Middle East. Like logic, yeah. Like, come on. Um, it's funny though that this is around the time I don't know the exact. I think this might be just before or just after. The, the the declaration of war on Iraq because we're at 2003 I'm pretty sure that's it was it was around spring. about the same time because like I, I think I've read in the book basically where they were saying about how you know a lot of people thought this was what this story was about was about the tensions in the Middle East and mm-hmm. this was a commentary on it and like John Kazar and yeah. that was sort of like no that just was coincidental that that yeah. was happening yeah well because they would have written this at, at least a couple months earlier yeah. You you have to you know, get the scripts in place. You have to get approval. You have to do all the pre-production. So I was thinking about that. I'm like, wow, this is an amazing coincidence that they actually uh, ended up with this. Um, so, yeah, he uh, he needs Kate to get him out of the country, as we said, just because. Uh, when Kate's outside, uh, the guy who saw the garage sign flickering goes to take Kate, but Yusuf to the rescue. Oh, uh, and this is going to lead to Jack again, selling out Kate. And Kate just going along with it. I'm going to give you to this creepy man with the creepy tattoo in this creepy garage um, because he needs you to get him out of the country. Okay, Jack. Whatever you say, Jack. Nice jock, Jack. Uh, <laughs> Curry. Hmm. What I do love, though, and again, this is this is all quite dumb, but it's entertaining because I love this this Wallace guy when he's talking to Jack. Like, we have the line that you mentioned at the beginning about, uh, oh, five minutes. Uh, we should have brought a deck of cards. But I also love where he's talking about, you know, oh, oh, when they tried to recruit you for Coral Snake and you turned them down. And he goes, he said that you were a born killer. <laughs> I, I, I love the way – I want more of these guys. We're only going to get a little bit of these guys together. I want more of these guys. I want this guy to become like a, a future character. This could be like Jack's adversary. You know, I mentioned uh, with uh, Gina Torres, um, uh, we're going to get coming up in the next season uh, that on Alias, she was like the, we'll bring her back every once in a while adversary to Sydney Bristow on Alias. Oh, this guy would be a great, he is the anti-Jack. Uh, so he's one of my stars of this episode. Uh, and he's going to take Kate. Jack and Yusuf have a line where they basically say there's a tracker on them which is irrelevant because now there's a big shootout. 
Um, and I, one, my one complaint here, this is how the episode's going to end, the cliffhanger, the, the shootout. Uh, my one complaint is that this could have also been a more dramatic moment of giving Kate up. Like, I feel like she has that line about, I trusted you, Jack, but like, I want this to be her big moment. It's like, you kidnapped me from CTU. You didn't tell me why. You put me in a car. You only told me after the fact. Only so you could give me over to this terrorist. Like, I want this to be a bigger moment. And it's just sort of brushed on the rug because she's getting right back in the building in a few seconds anyways. Like, it's it's a bad way to let down the episode. But I mean, still, this is the highlight of the episode. And it's on the right track. It's, it's not necessarily there yet, but it's on the right track. I also question that Jack's so, like, in the car, like, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Why can't Jack just pull her aside here and just be like, look, putting a tracker on you, this is what's happening. Uh, just yeah, go along just with it. Yeah, just tell her. Like, why does he have to be all like, get the car, Kate, grr, like, you know, I'm evil, Jack. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Again, it's kind of like you, there's steps around this and you, great acting from Kiefer and like, decent acting from Sarah. She's doing okay. Um, but, like, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. Like, it just it doesn't make sense because I guess – you got to have a shootout, and then five minutes later, Casey's like, ah! So um, that's my Sarah Winter impersonation, by the way. It's pretty I thought that was on. a cougar impression. <laughs> Sounds like ah, a dinosaur. Ah, Sarah, Sarah Winter, Winter would play. <laughs> Hi, I am Sarah Winter. Uh, <laughs> 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 I am Sarah Winter, gonna find the bomb. Um, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Yeah, the cliffhanger's fine. It's not the worst they've had, but. I mean, I reckon you could almost just end this on, like, getting in the car, and then that's where you just end it with, is the tracker in place? Yes. And then you just go to the credits then, and then that's kind of an okay cliffhanger. Like, oh, look, another shootout. Sure. Yeah. Well, and the thing that frustrates me with the shootout is it, we sort of debated on this, um, on the, uh, the you know, I want the pardon for the future murder of Jack Bauer and how they just quickly ended that. And I kind of liked the, the way that you had that great tease at the end of the episode and then the next episode, oh, we're going to do away with this. I mean, spoiler, this shootout's not going to last that long. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to set up something, but the, you know, the whole peril of Kate and everything is done away with pretty quickly. Uh, but my problem with this is that it doesn't have, if you had had that big dramatic moment of Kate, like you betrayed me, Jack, uh, you sold me out. Uh, you're holding me back. Uh, any of that. And then you had this shootout. It's a little bit more. It just sort of kills the suspense not having a bigger moment uh, when he hands Kate over. Well, you know, um, Jack's got a bigger moment. Yes. Ooh. In his pants. <laughs> his penis is large, all right? That's what I'm trying to say, okay? Now he has I a get massive it. penis. And he eats a lot of curry. Uh, that man's pissing like a fire hydrant. <laughs> uh, so, trivia for this episode. Uh, you might have more. The only thing that uh, th- worth noting, there's a very long-winded one here uh, about uh, Mike and Palmer and the similarities between this and a scene in the, the fifth season. Uh, okay. But uh, this one's kind of interesting. Continuity error. Tony's watch, it clearly says 12.15 a.m. Well, it should be 12.12 a.m. Because oh. nobody would have a fast Fuck. watch in 2003. <laughs> Jesus, that just shits me out the wall when things like that happen. Get it right, 24 writers. Um, I don't it. really have much. Uh, the book, basically, the, the main section is sort of um, Joel Cernow talking about, you know, going out of their way to have a, a black president, um, which obviously this book was done back in, what, like 2000 and something, obviously pre-Barack Obama. 
2006. So there you go. Um, and because they're basically saying here about having the milestone uh, black president. It's like, we just did it. And we don't think in those terms. Palmer's a great character and he was running for president. He became president. We didn't start to applaud ourselves for being politically correct. There have been black presidents in movies before and George Bush has had two black secretaries of state and national security. But it kind of sounds like, I'm not racist because I have black friends. That's kind of like, sounds like what he's saying. Uh, so I don't think that we are that far away from the election of a black president actually happening. Well, there you go. Good on the ball, Joel. It's like the Simpsons predicting things. You were two years away. Um, other than this, it like literally says additional intel. While 24 purports to be shown in real time, each episode is actually only 44 minutes long, not a full hour. However, the clock does continue to tick during credits and commercial breaks, and so it does achieve the final 60 minutes, but thanks for the that Captain Obvious. Um, and then it goes into detail about video phones, about how this was new technology back in 2003. So, um, yes, the things you learn from 24, the official companion, seasons one and two, Tara DeLulio, based on the series created by Joel Cernal and Robert Cochran. All right, so um, I'm going to buy it. Uh, I am also going to rank this as my lowest buy, but it is still a buy, which I feel like is a victory. I've only had a handful of these this season. Just looking at my buying chart here, my bottom three buys are all season two episodes. Four out of my bottom five buys are all season two episodes, and I only have two season two episodes that are higher uh, than my bottom five buys. Uh, But still, it's a buy. I feel like it's a victory. Interesting. We haven't had a discrepancy in a long time. I'm going back to episode eight of this season when I bought it and you binned it. Um, I'm renting it. Um, It's fine. Um, I just don't think there's enough in here to warrant a buy. Like it's, it's solid. It's suspenseful. The action's okay. Um, but there's like, I just, the, the CTU stuff drags it down. The Kim stuff drags it down. Um, you know, I think there's over drama for the Palmer drama for a little bit. And yeah, so I, I, I rent it solid rent. It's a middle rent. So I've got it, uh, currently 25th, um, just below episode oh. 18 of season one and just above season uh, episode 21 of season one. So I should give my number. My number should've. was 19. <laughs> 19. Good job. Mine is, what did I say? 25. Yep. Yeah. All right. So next week we have basically more of the same. Um, I did start to watch next week's episode. Uh, we have more of Carrie and Michelle's storyline. Sadly, we have uh, more Palmer drama. And we have uh, Jack and Mr. Coral Snake and Kate. Uh, will they? Won't they get out of the building? That's pretty much it. What's but Kim doing? Yeah, it's on week? the right track. What's Kim? Kim uh, she's in. She's back in the uh, police car. <laughs> Which I mean, I maybe jumping. I haven't watched the episode yet, but I mean, this is a woman who was wanted by the cops like four hours ago, and they just forgotten about her. Like, I mean, maybe not. Maybe I'm yeah. just forgetting about that. Um, yeah, I haven't watched it yet. Uh, I mean, I've seen it before, obviously, but like not for a while. So um, I know where I I know we're only like a couple of weeks away from one of my favorite Channel Seven ads of all time when it came to Twenty Four, and it was literally like the ad of "We guarantee you one thing: at the end of this hour, Jack Bauer will die." It's like, ooh, like over-promotion. Like it's, you know. And that, I mean, that was directly following the failed, what we guarantee next week on 24, Kim Bauer will swim. <laughs> we guarantee next week, the cougar will return. Next week on 24, the episode you've been waiting for, Soul Patch is back. <laughs> next week, 
on 24, the command is back. We bring you command, command. <laughs> All right, so we will be back next week where Jack Bauer may die. Uh, and until then, my name is Colin, and I like curry. And my name is Ben, and are you interrogating me? Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)